0: Hello, and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So, yesterday I teased that we were going to have a finals preview pod, and today is the day. Once again, the Warriors are playing the Toronto Raptors in the NBA finals. The Warriors have had five straight chips to the NBA Finals in 2015, 16, 17, 18, and now 19. And on the other side for the Toronto Raptors, this is their first appearance in franchise history in the NBA Finals, representing the Eastern Conference. And so it's only right to do a preview pod, and we'll go over uh, a lot of things in detail here. Um, I just want to shout out a few things that I saw. I was... uh, Reading John Schumann's uh, breakdown of the t- the st- the statistics of this series, and I pulled quite a few of them as I thought some of these were relevant to the series. So shout out to John Schumann for that one. And uh, I've I've gone through some keys, uh, some questions for both teams that we have yet to ask. And yeah, let's 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 just get it started. So first off, Kevin Durant doesn't seem like he's going to play in game one and it seems like he's doubtful to play in game two. So because we're going to be doing podcasts after each game this analysis so far for the series is just going to exclude Kevin Durant and assuming he's not going to play. Now we assume he's actually going to come back at some point but the reality of the situation is he's not back yet. So the offense for the Golden State Warriors changes completely when Kevin Durant gets back and we'll discuss that on future pods but for now, let's just go off what I think is going to happen in Game One. Some keys I think will happen in the series, regardless of whether Kevin Durant comes back or not, and if game by game that changes, we'll discuss that in future podcasts. So here we go. Let's start with the Raptors. So here are the is the general overview for the Raptors before we get into their keys. So the Game One starters, in my opinion, will be Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Marcus Sol. Uh, there has been some chatter that maybe we'll see more Serge Ibaka in this series. Uh, I think that could be true, but I think Nick Nurse probably wants to stick with Marcus see how he does out there, and if he needs to limit his minutes in certain matchups, he'll do that. But for now, I think Marcus is is going to be the starter uh, for Game 1 on Thursday night. So let's start with the offense, some of the offensive stats. So all of these offensive stats that I'm going to read off to you, Um, and their rankings are out of the 16 teams in the playoffs. So let's start with the offensive rating. Offensive rating, as we know, the amount of points you score per 100 possessions for the Raptors, 108.1. That was 9th out of 16 teams in the playoffs. The Raptors collect 22.4% of available offensive rebounds, also known as offensive rebound percentage. That's actually ranked 15th out of 16 teams. Not a strength there for the Raptors. And on top of that, the Raptors score 10.6 second-chance points per game, which is ranked 13th out of the 16 teams. Clear weakness for the Raptors right there. Turnovers per 100 possessions, also known as turnover percentage, 12.2, which is actually ranked 4th out of 16 teams. So 4th means they're taking good care of the ball, only turning the ball over on 12% of their possessions, a very good number there. Again, ranked 4th out of 16 teams in the playoffs. 18.1% of the Raptor possessions are in transition. That is second in the playoffs. 15.9% – sorry, 15.9 fast break points per game is fourth in the playoffs. And 17.9 points off of turnovers. So this is the points that they score off of opponent turnovers is third in the playoffs. So you can see that transition, scoring off opponent turnovers, and fast break points are a, a big strength of the Raptors and have been throughout the playoffs. 38.1 percent of the raptors points are in the paint that's actually ranked 13th out of 16 teams 38.1 percent not a lot clearly and the last stat i've got for them on offense is the raptors are 10 and 0 when they score at least 104 points per 100 possessions and otherwise they're two and six so to be to be clear there's about 95 To 100 points, uh, or sorry, 195 to 100 possessions in any given game. So that means if a game has 95 possessions instead of 100, that means the Raptors would have to score 109 points to get to match that 10 and 0 number that uh, they give in relation to the 104 points they score per 100 possessions. So defensive rating. For the Toronto Raptors is uh, 102.4. Again, that's the amount of points they allow per 100 possessions. 102.4 is ranked second out of 16 teams. They lead the postseason. the The Raptors are first with 14.4 deflections per game, and in concert, they have they get eight steals per game, which is tied for fourth out of 16 teams in the playoffs. And on top of that, the Raptors force turnovers on 15.4 of their possessions on defense, and that's also ranked fourth in the playoffs. So you it's it's clear the Raptors can force turnovers and get out and transition a little bit. Uh, the 72.4% defensive rebounds is ranked 9th out of 16 in the playoffs. And finally, well, actually, there's a couple more here. Opponents score 38.9 points in the paint against the raptors that's third best in the playoffs so that's not the opponents don't score a lot of points in the paint on the raptors third best in the playoffs in that number opponent three point percentage uh is 31.3 that's the third best in the playoffs among 16 teams as well so uh the raptors are allowing teams to shoot 31 percent from three that's a very good number and mostly I think that's because of they do a good job of helping off non-shooters, which we saw against Giannis and Eric Bledsoe uh, in the Buck series. So here we go. Let's get into the keys for the Raptors here. The first key, in my opinion, is defending the pick and roll. Specifically, the pick and roll with Draymond Green as the roller and Curry as the ball handler. So a stat here for... The Warriors is they score one point one two points per possession on pick and roll ball handler possessions, which is the best in the NBA. So last series, Portland really couldn't figure out their their scheme. Like obviously, we've we've talked about in past play and past podcasts, Curry you know, getting trapped at the three-point line because he's such a great shooter. Pass goes into Draymond Green. Draymond, you know, is able to attack the floor in four-on-three situations. He can shoot the floater, he'll finish at the rim, he'll kick out to a shooter, or he'll throw the lob to Iguodala, Looney, whoever's there. So defending that specific action is going to be key, and Portland really wasn't able to figure that out because their centers really weren't equipped to play that type of coverage in they mostly played that drop pick and roll coverage, and they didn't really have a small ball option that they could use to switch the screens and you know play that coverage a little bit different. The Raptors, on the other hand, have the personnel to play all different types of styles. They can play the hedge and recover. They can play the traditional dropping the big. They can trap the ball handler, or could they can just switch the switch the action completely. And if you can take away that Curry uh, Curry Draymond pick and roll, now you've got. Uh, an opportunity to limit uh, the role of Draymond Green in the half court to just a passer out of the post and a spot up shooter and taking away those 4 on 3 decision maker role that he's so good at so you turn Draymond into a spot up shooter that's a win for the Raptors if Draymond is taking a 3 and also if he's if he has to pass out of the post he's still effective there but not nearly as effective as a 4 on 3 role man decision maker that he gets used in when he gets put in that pick and roll so The way I think the Raptors will defend this is I think they're going to put Kyle Lowry guarding Steph Curry, and I think actually Kawhi Leonard will guard Draymond Green. So that way, instead of having to trap or hedge and recover if Kyle Lowry is ends up getting stuck on Draymond Green and they throw it into the post and asking for Draymond to score in the post, first of all, Draymond's not in a very good post scorer. Now, he's adequate, but that's obviously not his strength. And we've seen in the past that the Raptors have been very content to allow Kyle Lowry to body up on some of these bigger players. We saw it against Vucevic in the first round. We saw it at times against Embiid and um, uh, Tobias Harris in the second round. And we saw it at times against Brook Lopez and Giannis, although they mostly went with the double strategy. But the point is the point being that the, the Raptors are content if uh, Kyle Lowry switches on to bigger players. And on the other side, obviously Kawhi Leonard being one of the most premier defenders uh, in the entire world, he will have no problem guarding Steph Curry. Now, Steph Curry is no easy cover. I'm not trying to say that at all. But if there's any player you would want trying to guard Steph Curry one-on-one, Kawhi Leonard would probably be one of the top options up there. So running that Curry, um, Curry, Draymond pick and roll is going to be not be as effective if the Raptors can simply just switch that and have viable options to defend not only Draymond, but also Curry as well off the switch. So my second key here for the Raptors is to force the Golden State Warriors into mistakes. So Golden State Warriors turnover percentage is 14.1%. So that means they turn the ball over about 14 times every 100 possessions. So that was ninth. Out of 16 teams in the NBA, we or in the playoffs, I should say, we know that Golden State's crack in their armor is that they do get they do tend to get a little bit sloppy with the ball sometimes. Sometimes they make ambitious passes. Uh, the Raptors lead all playoff teams in deflections, like we talked about earlier, and are fourth uh, in the playoffs in steals, which means that they can force turnovers. And then on top of that, their points off of turnovers is ranked third in the playoffs. So it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a snowball effect here. You're able to if you're able to create turnovers off the Warriors, you're very effective in transition, and your points off of turnovers, regardless if they come in the half court or transition, has also proven to be very effective. So not only uh, if the Raptors force turnovers, not only are they you know obviously taking Golden State out of their offense, but they score at a high clip off of those turnovers. And if you can do that to Golden State, it really helps keep up with Golden State's high-powered offense, which we know will be tough task for the Raptors to match shot for shot. So if you're taking away possessions from Golden State and putting them back into the hands of the Raptors, it's going to be a lot easier as the Raptors to keep up with that high-octane offense that we know the Warriors have. Another key I've got here for the Raptors is to execute in the half court and don't pass up any open looks. So the Mar- we know... Golden State, all-time great team. One of the best teams ever assembled, if not the best team ever assembled. And so the margin for error against Golden State is slim to none. And there's a reason they've made five straight finals trips, this being their fifth. So offensively, you have to take every good look you can get against this team. Because, number one, you may not get a better shot in that possession if you pass up a good look. And two, Golden State's offense is so good that any good look that you get as the Raptors on offense needs to be considered as an opportunity to keep pace with them. And you just have to take advantage of those because you can't afford to be forced into bad shots in some of these possessions and just kind of throw up prayers or you know, throw up uh, shots at the end of the clock well contested by some of Golden State's great defenders in Klay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, and Draymond Green. Now scoring in transition is important too but we've seen what happens when you try and get into a track meet with Golden State. It usually doesn't end up well for that team because they don't have the firepower to run up and down the floor and match Golden State shot for shot. And I would technically put the Raptors in that category of not having the firepower to play Golden State, the Golden State Warriors game. I mean, few teams really do have that firepower. Maybe the Houston Rockets, you can argue, do. But even they haven't proven they can beat the Warriors. But if you can rely on something other than transition points to score, you've got a real good shot to keep pace with them on offense. And the other, only other way you can score is by executing in the half court. And so I think it's going to be important for the Raptors to get a fair amount of their points there. So another key I got here for the Raptors is, and this is kind of more of a question, is how do the Raptors deal with below average or specifically non-shooters? So if you think about the way uh, a traditional defense would treat a guy who can't shoot or is a bad shooter, traditionally if a guy can't shoot or isn't a great shooter, the first instinct you would have is to play off of them and clog the lane and say hey if they throw it to this guy then and he hit and he shoots well then we'll live with that because he's not a great shooter. But there's a few problems with that against Golden State and the first one is that when you're disregarding guys like you know Alfonso McKinney, uh, Sean Livingston, Jordan Bell, Kevon Looney, and even to an extent Jonas Jerebko, who can be streaky at times. These guys, you know, now instead of you know shooting, what happens is, as the Raptor player guarding this non-shooter, you turn your head for a second, and this non-shooter has now gone to the corner to set a screen on Kyle Lowry or Danny Green which would be the primary defenders on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and now it becomes the responsibility of whoever the Raptor is guarding that non-shooter to contest the shot on the off-ball when the off-ball screen is set so, for example, you can picture, you know, for, say, Norman Powell. Norman Powell is cheating off Alfonso McKinney off the wing. He turns his head to, you know, just kind of look at what's going on on the main action going on in the middle of the floor with the Draymond and uh curry pick and roll clay thompson said clay thompson sitting in the corner and Janie green's attached to him but now norm powell isn't looking and alfonso mckinney sets a quick screen on kyle lowry and by the time norm powell turns his head back clay thompson is wide open coming off a pin down on the wing and norm is nowhere to be found to contest that sort of shot that is those are the types of actions that you have to be aware of so you really have to find a tough balance between guarding non-shooters and knowing when to help off those shooters. And the second part of that is that the Warriors drive to the basket the least of any team in the playoffs. So clogging the lane isn't necessarily taking away their best opportunities to score. So like I said, it's a balancing act of when can we help off these these shooter these non shooters or bad shooters to take away Golden State's biggest threats and when do we need to stay at home to prevent these off ball actions that's going to be to me a tough balancing act for the raptors uh the raptors players to find to make sure that if you want to switch those off ball actions, okay, fine. You better be communicating, but you can't be ball watching and turning your head because you're going to get beat not by necessarily a back cut, but by your guy setting a screen and now you've opened up opportunities for some of these better Golden State Warrior shooters like Klay Thompson, like Steph Curry. So you really got to be attentive uh, defensively even if you're guarding, even if the player you're guarding isn't necessarily a threat to shoot the ball. So that's what I got for the Raptors keys. Let's move on to the Golden State Warriors here. So Golden State Warriors overview. Their game one starters are going to be, in my opinion, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and I think that this is going to be the series that Steve Kerr starts Kevon Looney. We've seen Steve Kerr go to guys like Andrew Bogut, uh, Damian Lee. I think. Kevon Looney is the best of those center options. Uh, he's even started Jordan Bell at times. I think Kevon Looney is the best of those center options. And I think you know, given obviously Cousins coming back off of uh, that quad injury, he's going to kind of be need to eased into things. And we're not even sure he's going to play in Game One for starters. But he will be back this series. That's one hundred percent sure. But I think Kevon Looney is their best option to start at center. And if he needs to get a quick hook to be a presence on the second unit, Steve Kirk can opt for that option as well. But I do think Looney will start uh, at center for the Warriors. So overview on offense for Golden State. Again, these ratings are out of 16 teams. Offensive rating for the Golden State Warriors, 116.4. That was ranked first out of 16 teams in the playoffs. Golden State, third in the playoffs in fast break points at 16.4 per game. 40% of Golden State's field goal attempts are in the paint. That's actually last in the league. But their field goal percentage on shots in the paint is 63.4%, which is first in the playoffs. So they shoot a low volume of shots in the paint, but they shoot them at a high efficiency. So you can you can see how you know that might work. They're getting a lot of dunks. They're getting a lot of easy opportunities in the paint, probably off uh, their screening, their split actions, backdoor cuts, things of that nature. Also, thirty percent, thirty-seven percent of Golden State shots are three-pointers. That's eighth out of sixteen teams in the playoffs. But their thirty-seven percent from three is first in the playoffs. So again. They're shooting about middle of the pack in three-pointers, but they're hitting them at a clip that's the highest out of any team in the playoffs. 66.7% of their field goals are assisted. That's first in the playoffs. And their 30.1% offensive rebound percentage is ranked fourth in the playoffs. Defensively, their defensive rating, 1102 That's good for ninth out of 16 teams in the playoffs. Uh, opponents take 26% of their shots in the restricted area. That's the third lowest in the playoffs. So T golden state is not allowing a lot of shots to be taken near the rim, which is, you know, obviously is, uh, a recipe for success. Warriors are second in the playoffs in blocks per game with six and opponents score 16.8 points per game off of Warrior turnovers. That's 10th out of out of 16 teams in the playoffs. So opponents don't score a lot of points per game off of turnovers against the Warriors, which, again, you can kind of see the matchup, right? Raptors score a lot of points per game off of turnovers against teams. Warriors don't allow as many points per game to be scored uh, on them off of turnovers. So we'll see how that matchup uh, goes as well. That's kind of like a sub-key, uh, if you will, there. So here we go. Keys for the Golden State Warriors in this series. Uh, Key number one, I've got push the ball in transition. So Golden State is going up against a Raptor defense that's probably one of the best defenses they've faced in this five-year run. There's probably a couple other that you can mention, but off the top of my head, I think this is one of the best defenses that Golden State has gone against. But when the Raptors are at their best, it's defending in the half court, not necessarily shutting down in transition. We saw that the Bucks were able to get a lot of their points in transition, and that was one of the only ways they could score against the Raptors. So the Golden State Warriors are going to run uh, on almost every possession. And even if they don't score on the initial push, usually initiated by Curry or maybe Draymond Green, They're going to try and wear the Raptors down more and more with each possession. And so you can picture how that works, right? If every time you miss, you've got to be worried about Draymond pushing the ball down your throat and you have to be mentally and physically engaged, that really creates fatigue uh, possession after possession throughout a game. And By the time you get to that fourth quarter, you're gassed. Having to think about uh, guys running the ball down your throat, so Golden State is going to try and push that. And even if they don't, uh, you know, score on the initial push, what it allow them to do is force cross matches in transition. So thinking back to the Eastern Conference Finals, when Giannis or you know somebody would push the ball in transition, you saw Danny Green picking up Giannis, who is who is not the ideal matchup for Giannis. But when there's only one guy, one or two guys back, and you've got to just pick somebody up and pick somebody up and not worry about who your primary assignment is, that's when the Warriors can then use those switches in cross-match situations to help run their half-court sets early in the clock and get up early shots against uh, mismatches that the Raptors necessarily don't want to be in. So you don't want the Raptors, if you're the Golden State Warriors, you don't want the Raptors to set their defense and give Toronto their best chance to defend you in the half-court. You really want to score points any way possible uh, against this team when they haven't set up their defense that has you know really gotten them to the finals in my opinion. Another key here for Golden State: How do you guard Kawhi Leonard? Uh, Kawhi, obviously, we know playing at an all-time high level. He's and he's going to be a huge load to deal with for Golden State. He's playing at a you know an, an elite level, one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. So I think to start, you probably have Andre Iguodala starting on him. But if he can't guard him one-on-one, then you might have to go to Klay Thompson. And then after that, you really don't have too many options. I mean, maybe you go to Draymond, but I think he's probably better suited as a help defender, a guy that can you know switch off uh, your, your small ball center or your four and protect the rim. He's better suited in that role as opposed to guarding Kawhi one-on-one. And so if Kawhi is a what we call a three-level scorer. So Kawhi can get into the mid-range and rise up over any defender, whether it's off the catch or off the dribble. He can shoot the three off the catch or off the dribble as well. And he can get to the rim and finish strong there. And throughout the playoffs, whether it be the Clippers, uh, maybe you can argue James James Harden is a three-level scorer. Actually, I would argue James Harden is a three-level scorer. So other than James Harden, whether it be from the Clippers Uh, or the Blazers, Golden State really hasn't played a player yet other than Harden with the three-level scoring ability of Kawhi Leonard. And even James Harden wasn't playing at the level that Kawhi Leonard is playing right now. So if you're the Golden State Warriors, you know, guarding Kawhi Leonard is going to be a big key in shutting down the Raptors' offense. You know, we saw Kyle Lowry get it going a little bit. Pascal Siakam, same thing, can get it going a little bit. But if you're relying on those guys – Kyle, Marcus, Saul, Pascal Siakam, and the bench to you know pick up the scoring if Kawhi Leonard has an off night, you've really played Toronto into a tough situation to rely on those guys because the, the reason they got Kawhi Leonard is to be their primary option and go-to guy. So you shut down those guys, I think Toronto is going to have, have a hard time scoring the basketball. So that's, that's a key for the Warriors. How do you guard Kawhi Leonard and can you shut him down? Not even shut him down, but just keep him in check. Hold him to a reasonable number, you know, maybe a less efficient. Even if he scores, you know, 25, 27 points, can you make him do it on 25, 27 shots? That's that's the kind of thing you're aiming for if you're uh, the Golden State Warriors. Just either he's not scoring a lot or he's scoring a lot but not doing so efficiently. Another key for Golden State here is the bench battle. Uh, can Golden State win this bench battle? And this is going to be one I'm going to be watching closely. So Fred VanVleet, Serge Ibaka, Norm Powell, their th- Raptors 3 bench guys, stepped up big in the Eastern Conference Finals. But can they give you that same production here in the finals when the lights are the brightest and the stage is set? So the Warriors bench of players includes you know Sean Livingston, Alfonso McKinney, Uh, Quinn Cook, Jonas Jarebko, Jordan Bell, and maybe even DeMarcus Cousins, as we know he's coming back soon, that'll definitely allow for more versatility for the Warriors off the bench. And winning the bench battle will really go a long way to Golden State taking control of this series, in my opinion. Now, I think at this point, there's a pretty good argument that the Raptors' three players in Van Vliet, Ibaka, and Powell are better than any three combination Of the Warriors bench players but I think where the Warriors have the advantage uh, outside of just you know the talent from a you know a three versus three matchup is the Warriors have other options to go to if guys are having a bad night you know if Norm, FPV or Powell are having an off night you're gonna have to shorten your rotation and go to seven guys whereas the Warriors can you know lean on a couple other of the bench guys like the Raptors aren't gonna you know throw at least I don't think so. They're not going to throw Jeremy Lin out there. They're not going to throw Jody Meeks out there, most likely. They're not going to throw uh, Malcolm Miller out there, or you know Chris Boucher. Like those guys aren't probably going to see minutes where. You can see a scenario where you know, let's say uh, Livingston McKinney and Jarebko are the guys off the bench, and Livingston doesn't got it going. Maybe they go to you know Quinn Cook. He is a better, he's a better three point shooter that can maybe match up with Fred VanVleet. They got a little bit more versatility. They can go to should guys not be uh, producing, uh, whatever combination of guys. Cur- Steve Kerr choose to go with. But with FVV, Bach and Powell, I think you can depend on those guys a little bit more for more consistent production than you can for any combination of the three warrior players. Uh, so that that's kind of where I stand. The, uh, the, the sheer talent of the Raptors bench is probably better than the talent Of the Warriors bench but the Warriors bench has other options to go to to you know supplement any off night that those combination of three Warriors might be having so that's kind of how that's kind of how I look at it can Golden State win the bench battle as they have more guys to go to off the bench even though they might not be as talented as those three guys for the Raptors so last key here I got for the Golden State Warriors is beating Toronto on the glass uh, the Raptors have struggled keeping opponents off of the defensive glass and offensive glass this whole playoffs. We heard that, you know, 22% offensive rebound rate for the Raptors was 15th out of 16 teams in the playoffs, which is not good. Uh, we know that Golden State, if they can continue to hold, sorry, we don't know that, but if Golden State can continue to hold Toronto, to one possession per trip down the floor, that really limits Toronto's offensive ability and makes them very one-dimensional. So you can picture guys like, you know, Kavon Looney, DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut, who I didn't mention as another bench option there for the Warriors, and Jordan Bell would probably be the likely likely culprits there to go and grab some rebounds uh, and really get in the way of the Raptors. I mean, outside of, you know, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, who's got some size. You know, Kawhi Leonard's mixing it up a little bit uh, in the paint as well. Other than those three guys, maybe a little Pascal Siakam, it seems like uh, the Warriors have a lot more of the size out there. And we we talked about Golden State War, the Golden State Warriors' offensive rebound percentage being 30%, and that's fourth in the playoffs. So if they can beast Toronto in the glass, that's going to be a huge problem for the Toronto Raptors in this series. So let's, let's get to some of the other questions I have, you know, kind of for both teams. So all this analysis assumes Durant won't play, or at least for the first couple games. And if Durant does come back, the offense for Golden State changes completely. You know, now you got a guy that you can throw the ball into uh, in the post at the end of the clock. You can, you can throw it into him with 14 on the clock and ask him, hey, we're, we're slacking here. You know, if Toronto maybe, you can picture a scenario. Hey, Toronto got four, five, six, seven stops in a row. And we just need a guy that can go get us a bucket to get us out of this funk. Kevin Durant is that guy. Kevin Durant is that guy you can throw to one-on-one in the half court, and there's not really much you can do if you're the Toronto Raptors other than doubling him and you know forcing rotations and stuff like that to really stiffen Kevin Durant because once Kevin Durant gets his matchup, he's usually going to work. And so, may, maybe Kawhi Leonard will who will who will definitely be the primary defender on KD should and when he comes back. Uh, maybe he can stifle him a little bit, but you know, with a scorer at the level of Kevin Durant's ability, you really just believe he can just get a bucket on just about anybody. Um, so that that changes a little bit uh, if and when KD comes back. Some more questions I got is: Are the Raptors going to go after Steph Curry defensively? You know, put him in every pick and roll, try to get him in foul trouble. You you picture that. You know Steph Curry will probably be hiding on Danny Green. I don't picture him, you know, playing, you know, playing Kyle Lowry straight up. I picture probably Clay Thompson taking the Kyle Lowry matchup, and you know, uh, Steph Curry hiding on Danny Green. Can Danny Green provide enough effectiveness as a screener to where the Warriors actually will pay for? Attacking Steph Curry every time down the floor, like Danny Green has struggled tremendously shooting the ball. So if we if you can get Danny Green in pick and pop situations, we've seen that the Warriors, you know, when Houston tried to attack them, they go to that little hedge and recover strategy where you know Curry will show on the ball handler just enough so that the primary defender of the guy uh, with the ball in his hands can get back to the original guy, and then Curry races back to his original defender to sorry to the guy he was originally defending so if you know, they can create just enough space where Danny Green can get open and, you know, knock down two or three of those shots. Maybe they have to switch up the strategy a little bit and start switching those actions. Maybe they, you know, try to switch off the ball when, you know, Danny Green comes to set the screen. Maybe Draymond comes up and Curry decides to guard Draymond's guy. There's a lot of different ways that the Warriors can, you know, get around that. But I'm wondering if the Raptors will try to exploit that, at least at first, to try and see if they can um, use. You know, Curry obviously being the weaker defender. Of the five big players on the floor, uh, I'm including KD in that uh, in that instance. But uh, Steph Curry is not necessarily a bad defender, but he is handsy. You can get him in foul trouble, and if you can get him in foul trouble and keep him off the floor, well, that's a W for you. Even if he's not necessarily killing the Warriors on defense, you get him two two or three quick fouls. Now he comes off the floor on offense. You replace him with Quinn Cook, and now defensively you have a lot better chance to defend a lot of the Warrior actions and don't have to worry about Steph Curry's supreme shoot causing gravity for the rest of the offense to kind of flow for Golden State as well. So I'm I'm interested to see if that will be something that Toronto goes to. Another question I got is when Boogie comes back, uh how do you utilize him if you're Golden State if he comes off the bench? Like I said, it might be make more sense for Gasol to match up with Cousins, being Cousins being a little bit more of a bruiser down low, and then start Ibaka to match up with Looney. Maybe that's something you can go to, and then uh, you can kind of switch all five guys in the starting lineup if you're Toronto on defense. We'll see how that goes. I alluded to this a little earlier. Is Danny Green going to return to 2013 uh, NBA Finals Spurs Danny Green? If you can get that, Toronto has an incredible chance of winning this series. He was uh, arguably... The finals MVP should have, uh, should the Spurs have won that series. And so, if you can get something anywhere close to that from Danny Green, I mean, he's been just been struggling mightily. If you can get something like that from Danny Green, maybe you got a chance to win this series if you're Toronto, or at least a better chance. And the final thing I got for general questions here is which Toronto bench is going to show up? Are we going to get the. You know, Philadelphia Sixers series Toronto bench, or are we going to get the Milwaukee Bucks series Toronto bench? That will determine a lot of how Toronto's offense is clicking and whether or not they're going to be able to keep up with this high-octane Warriors offense. Because if, we're, if you get Sixers series uh, Toronto bench, then it's going to be very difficult for Toronto to score and keep up in this series. And it's going to be extremely tough in my opinion very very tough so you need the bench to contribute and we'll see which version of the bench shows up in this series all right so here's my prediction my prediction for this series is uh unfortunately as a raptor fan i'm picking the warriors to win in six games uh warriors and six is my prediction i think the raptors are going to make this a series uh like i've said their defense is at its peak level and their best player Kawhi leonard is having one of the greatest postseason runs of all time However, there's a reason Golden State has won three of the last four titles and is now going to its fifth. Here's one thing that I'd like to mention about Golden State. is Golden State's lineups, the way they deploy their lineups, are going to dictate Toronto's lineups and Toronto's counters. And it's not the other way around. And that's huge. That's a huge advantage for Golden State to be able to play a lineup, and that dictates how Toronto will respond. So, for example, Toronto can go and play big. They can play, you know, Ibaka and Gasol together. They can choose to play Siakam and Ibaka together in the front court, or they can go to Siakam and Gasol in the front court. Any one of those combinations don't necessarily elicit a specific response from Golden State uh, to counter like they can play almost Golden State can play almost any lineup against any three of those front court pairings even the death lineup but if Golden State wants to play Draymond at the 5 you have to do something about that because having a traditional center like Marcus Cole out there probably won't work unless your plan is to beast them on the offensive glass but we already determined that the Raptors 15th out of 16 teams in the playoffs are, uh, in rebounding on the offensive glass so that's clearly not their strength so maybe you could see a lot more Siakam at the 5 in that scenario, but I think my point stands that when Golden State decides to do something, it's up for Toronto to counter and I don't believe that when Toronto does something, it's going to be up to for Golden State to counter. I don't think that's how it's going to work in this series and that's kind of a big part as to why I'm picking Golden State. Um, And the last thing I want to talk about, just very briefly here, is the Warriors are not better without Kevin Durant. I repeat, the Warriors are a better team when they have Kevin Durant. The Warriors are better with Kevin Durant. They are simply just better. They can they beat teams and win a championship without Kevin Durant? Absolutely. They are still capable of beating any team without Kevin Durant, but they are not better without him. And with the return of Boogie Cousins, even though he isn't necessarily a part of their best five-man lineup, I still think that lineup Uh, the lineup of Curry, Thompson, uh, Draymond, Iguodala, and KD is still their best uh, death lineup, five-man lineup, this Warriors team is definitely top-heavy. But when KD and Boogie get back, they become deeper again because now two of these fringe playoff rotation players are taken out of the lineup and now you're replacing them with former All-Star DeMarcus Cousins and back-to-back Finals MVP and Kevin Durant. So I just think that there's too much firepower for the Raptors to handle in this series, and I just don't think they have the offensive ceiling to keep up with the Golden State Warriors when they are very good, let alone if the Golden State Warriors are performing at their best. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Again, this is just a finals preview. We are going, well, I should say I am going to be back with a podcast after each game. So after each game, I'm going to do a review pod, what I saw, what and the adjustments you can project for the next game. I'm going to be coming with a podcast after each one. And then if you follow my Twitter account, that's at isoballpod, I-S-O-B-A-L-L-P-O-D. I'm going to be doing probably game threads of some of the stuff that I specifically saw in you know, games 1, 2, 3, and 4 and any uh, any games after that that I think are kind of important. So it'll kind of give you a visual illustration of some of the stuff that I'm talking about on the pod and maybe, you know, allow you to better kind of get a a visual about what I'm talking about uh, when I do some of these review podcasts as well. Thanks so much for listening. Look out for more content. And more than anything, enjoy what should be a great NBA Finals.